Hi, this is George Anthony Bell, and let's go back to the best. Hey, Grace. Yeah, David? Do you want to go back? Back where? Back to the best. Back to the best? Back to the best. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Back to the Best. I'm David. And I'm Grace, and this is our podcast where we talk about all the best things from the 90s to the 2000s, which is also known as The Best Times. To all of our first-time listeners, welcome, and to all of our former besties returning. Welcome back. Happy 2024. Happy New Year. It's a brand new year, and this is our first episode of the new year. Do we year. feel like... Do we feel like this is like a new year, new us year? Because everyone says that every year, but like, I don't know. I feel like we always stick to like the new year, same us. Why would mm-hmm, we change whenever mm-hmm. we're already perfect? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. For anyone listening, we do not think we're perfect. What an us way to start the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very into the new year, same us. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many things have already happened that relate to like 90s and 2000s pop culture already. First of all, devastating news. Britney on Instagram announced that she's done with music forever. I mean, we're not shocked, but. No, we're not shocked, but we are upset. I mean, it's 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 a tough, so many emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many thoughts, so many emotions. Because of course, all we want is for her to be happy. She gave us so many great albums. Yes. It's just actually hearing it or actually, I guess, reading it. Yeah, it's you can understand it because of what she's been through, you know, for in from what we've heard, what she has shared. You're like, okay, for the the next chapter of her life, maybe she'll do something else. But to say that you'll never do it again, like like Justin Bieber said, you know, never say never. He did say that. And that makes us feel better if it's like, oh, maybe it's not so final. And then Selena Gomez announced that she only has one more album in her and then she's done with music. My God. Who's going to sing? Who's left? <laughs> That's the only two singers. That's pretty much everybody. <laughs> That's everyone. Britney, yeah, Britney's gone. I guess so, it's time so for us. Gone. I don't know. I guess we got to step up. But I think that we just need to cut right to the chase because this is actually pretty new. We are, if you're listening to this, we are recording just the evening prior to releasing this. And mm-hmm. today there is a writer. His name is Jonathan Hurwitz. He wrote on what was supposed to be the Lizzie McGuire reboot. As you all know, our feelings, we will, we love Mm -hmm. Disney, but we will never forgive them for promising Mm -hmm. us a reboot of Lizzie McGuire and then just taking it away. Mm -hmm. But he did some TikToks sharing what the plot of the Lizzie McGuire reboot would have been had it happened and kind of basically why Disney refused to go forward. For for me, like first glance, it's some of the, some of the details that he revealed. It's like, these things are not that bad. So first off, Lizzie was supposed to hook up with Ethan Kraft, which are any of us surprised? No. And are we here for it? Yes. yes. Were we a little surprised that, you know, Lizzie and Gordo were just like not even considered to be an item anymore? Gordo, it said, would have been happily engaged to another woman and expecting his first child. I am. I am surprised. Who is the woman? That's what I want to know. Who are they going to cast? Who and is that? Where are these two episodes? They filmed two yeah. episodes. They're just sitting on some hard drive. We need to break in. We need to break in. We don't know <laughs> where to break in. If anyone knows where to break in. Yeah, if anyone knows. Please let us know. Yeah. Yeah, and we're just we're ready to really, break in. We're very um, good at breaking in. <laughs> yes, we just, we um, bang, bang, bang. We would not we make it anywhere bang. near any building. Oh my God, we would, no, you know, we would, we would pull up, we would go, we would pull up to the location. Mm -hmm. We would take a good hard look at it from the car. We would not get out. I don't think we'd ever get out of the car. No, I think, but, but if we, it would just, we would go, if we got out, I think we would just go up to the door and like knock. And if no one answered, we'd leave. (laughs) (laughs) We tried, we tried. We tried, we were there. But yeah, it would have been episode two that was. The big reveal that Gordo was engaged, expecting his first baby. And then Lizzie, of course, she was going to be soon to be 30 year old interior designer living. And I'm just going to say it doesn't say thriving, but I would just imagine she was thriving Mm -hmm. in New York. Does it say that she was supposed to be like getting cheated on in the first episode? Sure. But I think that she would have thrived either way. I think she would have, too. And the thing 
this is this was a little like oh but it said in episode three lizzie wakes up in ethan's bedroom in ethan's i i want to see this like our younger selves watching Lizzie McGuire, you always knew they were going to get together, but they didn't, it didn't happen. And yeah. then now it's like she was going to be having a sleepover. And it says that Lizzie's boyfriend was going to cheat on her with her best friend. I wonder mm-hmm. who the best friend was going to be, because if it was Miranda, would they would have said Miranda. I wonder who they would have cast as a best friend, because I don't think there was ever anything said that it was going to be Miranda. No, not at all. I just like to think that they would still be friends. Because, I mean, we all know she wasn't in the movie. But she would have been in New York. She could have. She yeah. would have been to college. She was yeah. an interior designer. The friend options would have been just unlimited. But you know what is limited? Our joy. <laughs> David, David, are you okay? What was that? Are you all right? Was it an earthquake? <laughs> no, I dropped my phone in anger, and then it knocked a, fi- a picture frame off, which knocked, luckily, an empty candle holder from Bath and Body Works. <laughs> Nothing has been broken. Everything is fine. Except, you know what is not fine? Our anger <laughs> towards no. Disney for taking away the Lizzie <laughs> McGuire reboot. Our anger towards Disney is so extreme that David's candle just leapt off of his shelf. I thought there was an earthquake and somehow you felt it and I didn't. And you extremely felt it because things fell. <laughs> God. But if you've listened to us before, you know us. We would forgive them in a heartbeat just the second they gave us a oh. little bit of Lizzie. And honestly, we still watch Disney Plus all the time. We go to Disneyland all the time. We still love Disney. We just like are angry. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. we love the classic Disney Channel shows. It's like everything we grew up with. And we're so excited about today's episode, which actually features an actor from one of our favorite Disney Channel shows. Yes. If there is any even Stevens fans out there, you I immediately, just like we talked about in the episode, every time I think of Even Stevens, I just sing the songs from the musical episode. We went to, to the moon. The moon. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably read it in the title or the description of this episode. But today we have the pleasure of talking with George Anthony Bell, who was Principal Wexler on Even Stevens. Behind the scenes, though, he was a dialogue coach on Gilmore Girls, Grace's favorite show of all time. Of all time. I love it. I love it. He was also the dialogue coach on another one of our favorite Sister Sister. And he also appeared in Gilmore Girls and Sister Sister. And yes. if you hear a noise, that is Grace's baby, Riley, who I'm is so also sorry. a very big fan. She's a of very, Gilmore very, Girls very big and fan. Sister Sister. And Sister Sister. She loves them dearly. <laughs> He's obviously a dialogue coach. But it's different than dialect. And he is the the number one in our eyes. If you're interested in what that is as well, he really dives into it in this episode and shares kind of what it takes to be a dialogue coach. Could David and I do it, are you asking? I think with our like people skills, we could. Um, it sounded like it was a lot of work, though. Which we also are very hard workers. Very, very hard workers. Um, so maybe we'll be dialogue coaches. But you'll ha- you have to stay tuned to listen to George because he really he, – he was the number one on Gilmore Girls for the dialogue coaching. Oh, and we say it a million times in this episode, but Gilmore Girls is known for their dialogue. And I think without further ado, let's just get right to it. Here is our chat with George Anthony Bell. Hi. Hello. Hello. Good, are you? Thank you so much for doing this. I'm David. This is Grace. Nice to meet you. Hey, Grace. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Doing very well. You're our first episode of the year, so we're really excited that you were able to do this. Oh, great. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, a little bit about us. Grace and I started this podcast about four or five years ago. We focus on all our favorite 90s, early 2000s pop culture that we grew up loving which you have been a part of a lot of those things that we loved growing up. So we really appreciate you doing this. Great, great. So we just love to ask you some questions about your career today, if that's all right. Sure, sure. Fire away. (laughs) So guys, starting out, so you kind of do everything. You've been on musicals, TV, behind the scenes as a dialogue coach. What made you want to get into this industry in the first place? Uh, well, I, uh, I'm a minister's son. And so I blame my dad uh, because uh, at a very early age, I had to get up in front of the church to sing. Mm. And so I was used to performing at a very early age. So that kind of planted the seed. 
And uh, it was just a natural, uh, I don't know, uh, transition into wanting to do it professionally. I mean, when I got to college, I um, took a theater class just to fulfill the general education requirement. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened the uh, instructor, William Marshall, who was an actor, um, if you remember those old uh, gladiator movies yeah. uh, with Victor Mature, he was the black gladiator. He was very deep. Okay. And so he was uh, the guest uh, uh, instructor uh, for that semester. Uh, and so I took his class and then he happened to be directing a production and he needed people in to get into the production. And you got an extra unit of credit. And I was living on campus and I had the time. So uh -huh. I, I auditioned, got in, and I had so much fun. Uh, that Then after that, then there was another show that was happening in the theater department. Because at that particular time, I wasn't a theater major. I was, uh, I think I was a music major. So I, so I, then I did the, uh, another, that next show was for Sweet Charity, if I remember. And uh, then the department chairman of theater uh, came up to me and said, I understand you're not a theater major. Why not? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, he said, he said uh, well, I won't rest until you switch over to theater. He said, I don't normally encourage people to, to, to pursue this, but I think you have the talent to uh, succeed. And wow. so I think about a year later, I switched over to the theater as my major. Wow, what oh, a compliment wow. to you. Yeah. yeah. And what a, yeah. especially I feel like at that age in where your headspace is, you're like, what am I going to do with my life? What, what's, what's calling to me? What am I pulled towards? And someone came to you. Right. The department chairman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of all people. Of all the people. Right. All right. So. You were a theater major then. How did you then get into like the TV world? So I, I went to New York. Uh, to do theater. Well, actually, my, my brother, I visited my brother back east. Uh, he was at Boston University, I think, at the time. But we went to New York. We saw a Broadway show, The Musical Pearly. Uh, and and I was looking and I said, I, I can do that. I can. I mean, I think and I can be in the chorus, you know. Uh -huh. I thought that I, I think I could do that. So uh, anyway, so I, so I started doing the, you know, it was the whole thing about doing theater. So I was on Broadway. I was doing a couple of shows. And then uh, uh, I was approached by one of the backers for the musical. I was doing, it was called Tim Book Two. And that starred Bertha Kitt. And he was one of the financial backers at uh, Cunningham, uh, which was a big commercial agency. Mm -hmm. And I think it was opening night, we, uh, we were talking, and he found out that I didn't have representation for television, for commercials. So he said, oh, no, no, no. So <laughs> he put in a call. And so then I, I got signed with the Cunningham Agency. And so I first started doing commercials in New York. Okay. And, and then uh, coming back to L.A., uh, I came back with a couple of shows, and then I got agents for television. And then that's how I started doing the TV uh, guest spots and auditioning. Uh, so that's how I kind of transitioned from theater into television. And when you started in Broadway, did you have representation when you were auditioning or was it more open calls that you did? Or how did you kind of get into the Broadway world? I did an open call. Uh, mm. In fact, my second professional audition, I got cast. Uh, wow. I almost got cast in the, my very first, I uh, got down between me and this other guy. They were doing a musical version of Gone with the Wind oh. <laughs> at the, uh, <laughs> at the, at the uh, Dorothy Chandler uh, Pavilion at uh -huh. uh, the Music Center. And uh, I got down to the finals uh, between me, it was to be in the chorus, me mm -hmm. and this other guy. Mm -hmm. And I remember the casting director who was married to the director. The casting director wanted me, the director went with the other guy because he had worked with him before and he was older and, and mm. I was really young. So I didn't get it. But then two weeks later, uh, the national tour of Two Gentlemen of Verona, which had won Best Musical on Broadway, mm -hmm. was at the Amundsen. And uh, several people left the show, so they needed replacements. I auditioned for that and I was in the chorus and I understudied one of the leads. So oh, that's, oh, how, great. that's how I started in uh, theater. Uh, and then I 
And then I did the open call for the Wiz uh, mm -hmm. uh, for the LA company, again at the Amundsen. Mm -hmm. And from that, uh, I, I got cast in that. And then, from, and I was understudying the lion and I was doing a couple little bit parts, mm -hmm. but from doing, that's why I, there are no small parts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, and doing this small part, I was the Royal gatekeeper outside of Emerald City. Okay. Uh, but the director, Jeffrey Holder, liked what I had done with the role so much that he offered me one of the leads in Timbuktu on Broadway. Wow. So I didn't wow. even have to audition for my uh, Broadway show. Uh, it was handed to me on the silver platter. Wow. I'm loving yeah. everything about this. <laughs> just that you had to, like you said, no small part, no small role. Look what it no, did just... for you. And I just, I loved hearing that. I'm sure there's going to be people that listen to this and take take that away, if anything, from, from hearing this episode, because it's so easy to feel that way. Like, oh, I'm, yeah, I don't really even have a name. I'm just like, you know, character number three, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. No, you give 101%. And what had happened was, uh, even though I didn't create the role of the gatekeeper, mm -hmm. uh, because the guy who did it on Broadway, he was the original guy, but apparently uh, the character never worked that well on Broadway. Really? Uh, in that uh, there was this big, big number right after the Wicked Witch is uh, dies and they, they sing A Brand New Day. And, mm -hmm. and so it's this big number. Then right after that was the scene with the gatekeeper. And the energy level would drop way down uh, uh, with those guys. Uh -huh. uh, and for some reason, I guess for me, I just decided to be kind of silly with my character. And I came out like improvising like I was a, a frustrated opera singer <laughs> and coming out and then, and then went into my dialogue. Well, so that the drop wasn't so noticeable because mm -hmm. then it got an audience response and a laugh. So it kind of was like maybe there, that level, rather than yeah. way, <laughs> way down. Yeah. And so for me doing that, uh, uh, they based my characterization of the gatekeeper uh, for future people, whoever did that role. So although I didn't create the role originally, mm -hmm. my interpretation of the role is in the script now uh, uh, for the gatekeeper because many of my ad lib lines are now part of the script. So wow. unofficially, I created the role of the gatekeeper. That's oh, yeah. so cool. <laughs> oh yeah, we're always going to credit anyone that asks. We're going to say it's George. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and it's coming back to Broadway. Uh, uh, I think in the spring, and actually, it's going to be at the Pantages yeah. in March. So I plan to see it. So yeah, I'm oh, definitely should. Yeah, I'm seeing it yes. for the first time at the Pantages. My mom's going to be visiting, so we got tickets. So now I know to look out for that and know that you created yeah. those. <laughs> I was I was the gatekeeper. I was the Lord High Underling, and Uncle Henry, who's married to Auntie M. Okay, and then I eventually took over the lion. Wow. Oh, amazing. How excited wow. was your family for the first time whenever you were actually on Broadway? Did they all fly out to watch? Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty exciting. Actually, in The Wiz, what had happened was uh, uh, the guy who I was understanding uh, for The Lion, he never mm -hmm. missed. Uh, mm. And so, uh, of course, if I had me as the understudy, I wouldn't have missed either because yeah. he knew <laughs> he knew that I was pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, but finally, he asked me, uh, he wanted to take, uh, his birthday was like in July or something, and he wanted to take a day off to celebrate his birthday. Mm -hmm. So he asked me, would you like to go on and, and do the show? And I said, yeah, sure. I said, can I do it on a matinee day where I have both a matinee and an evening show? And he said, okay. So we kept it a secret between us. Mm -hmm. uh, but I called all my friends. Uh, and I said, you got to keep it a secret because, you know, the management's not supposed to know. Yeah. Um, and I was friends with the people in the box office. So I told them uh, what was going on, that uh -huh. I was going to have friends coming uh, to see the show. So I must have had a couple of hundred people uh, for that uh, for that performance wow. of me as the lion plus family, but the one thing I got caught because when <laughs> no. at the beginning no. of the show when they announced that this particular performance <laughs> the role of the lion we performed by George <laughs> Bell uh -huh. there was this huge roar <laughs> the applause from the audience <laughs> and, and so Master said 
Well, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't the even skip a beat. All here, <laughs> right? So, so I got into a little bit of trouble. But what what they didn't know at the time is that I already knew that I was going to be leaving the show to go to Broadway to do oh. Timbuktu. Mm. But I was keeping that under wraps for a couple of more months uh, uh. before I, because uh, I was going to leave in the fall, and this was still the summer. So I I was keeping that uh, a secret. So mm-hmm. I knew I had a job. Yeah, if you got in trouble, yeah, it worst was case. Okay. Yeah, yeah. would have been okay. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> How does it work whenever you're an understudy? Are you just basically like on call? Are you always at the theater just in case you have to go on last minute? Or are you just kind of waiting by the phone in case? Well, there, there, there are two categories. There's the, uh, Usually if you're an understudy, then you're in the show and you have your own show that you're doing. So it's usually understudies of people who might be in the chorus or they might have bit parts, and but they may be understudying one of the leads. Okay. So that if the lead gets okay. sick, then you take over. Now, the other category is a stand-in, uh, mm. uh, which I was a stand-in uh, for uh, in the original company of Ain't Misbehaving. Okay. So now that uh, you don't perform in the show, you're on call, but we had to come to the theater and we... And we had to stay there until about the middle of the second act. And then we could leave because the show was so vocally demanding. People could lose their voices during the show. Oh, so yeah. if that happened, then you could just step in. Um, but uh, uh, so sandins usually are people who either they, they're at home, they're by the phone, or you're at the theater, but you don't perform. Gotcha. You're just there to, 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 to stand in uh, or to stand by. If they okay. have. Oh, gosh. Imagine. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was. I think I was going to say something similar similar to you, David. That gave me like a heart sinking feeling of someone being on stage and their voice just <laughs> gives. And yeah. then um, thank God for a stand in, but how terrifying! Oh, many a time I'd find out five minutes before curtain I was on. That's wow. wow. And it's like what? And suddenly you have to uh, get on your dress. toes. You just don't, and and then you're on. So you have wow. to get to that frame of mind. I mean, wow. you rehearse uh, once a week. You have to okay. so that you stay up on top of the show, you know, so that, you know, so that you're ready. Yeah. That's wow. crazy. And so David mentioned it earlier, but we know that you're also a dialogue coach. For anyone listening who maybe is unfamiliar, can you tell our listeners a bit about what a dialogue coach is and maybe how you got um, started in that? Sure. Many people confuse dialogue coach with dialect coach. Mm. Uh, oh. Not a dialect. Dialect is like if you want to work with someone with a British accent, a Jamaican accent, Australian, that's with accents. Uh, mm-hmm. So you deal with the dialect. Dialogue is that you are the, what I like to say, the keeper of the word. Mm-hmm. So I'm there to work with the actors uh, on the lines, just to coach them, to help them uh, with the lines. So I might work with them before they go before camera. So we'll run lines uh, to get them more familiar with with the lines. Gotcha. Um, Gilmore Girls was unique in that uh, Amy Palladino and Dan Palladino, the executive producers, they wanted the lines word perfect, meaning oh. no deviation whatsoever. They wanted it exactly as written. Wow. No small deviations, no adding a the, a, the exactly as written and so which is pretty difficult uh yeah so um what it, what had happened with on gilmore girls um uh they had the usually the job of the script supervisor uh works with the actors on the lines but they also deal with continuity so that if you mm. the person comes in and they have the drink in the right hand and then they take a sip and they put it down the script supervisor writes all that down if they have a purse or, or a code and they, or they sit up or they sit down. So uh-huh. they did all that. Well, so in addition to having to deal with the dialogue, it was too much for the script supervisor. So they were mm. in the third season. I think it was like the a fourth episode and they were on their third dialogue coach for that season. They kept wow. hiring. Uh, wow. And so finally they said, well, you know what? They realized that maybe it's too much to have the script advisor do all what they do and to be on top of the dialogue. So let's bring in somebody 
just to work with the actors on the dialogue. So luckily, one of my dearest friends, uh, Carla McCloskey, was the first AD on the show. And they wanted someone that maybe that the actors would be okay with giving them corrections. Because that's what you're doing. You're, you're correcting them. Uh-huh. And actors have to kind of be okay with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because no one likes to get corrected. No. And and so it takes a certain kind of personality uh, to to be able to, to be a dialogue coach. So she immediately said, I got the perfect person. And so she she recommended me. Uh, so I went in, and I think I think four of us they we met with the producer with Amy and this other producer. I don't, and then they whittled it down to four people. Okay, the, the four people they had gotten down to the finals. We all interviewed with Lauren to see. Uh, you know, so uh-huh. Lauren had final say. And so when I met with Lauren, uh, we talked and I told him, I said, I just see myself as a safety net for the actors. I said, I'm an actor myself. I know what you're going through. And I said, uh, you know, I just want to be a person that you're not afraid of, but a person that you see uh, that you can rely on. Uh, And that's what did it. And so she she selected me and I I did it the whole time for the remainder of the season of of, of the series. Mm-hmm. And then when they did the reboot for Netflix, uh-huh. uh, I remember uh, Amy actually told me that uh, when uh, they spoke to Lauren, you know, about, you know, getting the show and coming back, they would get make sure of it was available. And Amy said one of the first things Lauren said, you're going to get George, aren't you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and they said, of course. So I was one of the few people they actually brought back from the series who would work behind the scenes. Uh, to uh, be there uh, for the reboot. And so, and also uh, in the reboot, you know, with, with Gilmore Girls, there are a lot of phone calls. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so on all of the phone calls in the reboot, I am the actor that they are hearing on the other line. Uh, so, because usually the other actor is not there that day. Mm-hmm. So when they're saying their lines, they're talking to someone, then they're hearing me on the other line doing the other characters. So uh, for the reboot, now in the regular series, uh, we had really good uh, uh, standby stand-ins. Uh, mm. So they usually would do the phone calls. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the reboot, uh, the girl who was, you know, the, the, the people who were standing in weren't really actresses. So, and so, and then the actors were so comfortable with me, they just preferred me to be the person to read the lines. You must have, I mean, especially where David and I both love Gilmore Girls. And like you said, the the dialogue is what Amy is known <laughs> for. I mean, it yes. is so amazing. I've heard interviews with Lauren where she's talked about just like the, the script just grabbed them because it was just so beautifully written. And her, I don't even know how her brain works, but she's a genius. Right. You must have really been there all day long every time every day because it was just so pages and pages of dialogue from the first spoken word to the last spoken (laughs) word i was there all day averaging 12 to 16 hour days if it was 12 hours that was a short day Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh my oh yeah yeah eventually uh i quit four times by the way I quit four times. It didn't. I, it clearly, never stuck. Clearly, they kept bringing you back. <laughs> well, they, they kept sweetening the deal. No, 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 you can't go. You can't go. <laughs> and so, so eventually, I I had uh, a person to uh, do uh, on Fridays. Actually, my friend Carla, her daughter, uh, who you know, it was, just, it was she's like family. She ended up working on Fridays uh, uh, for me. So I guess I, I was just getting so burned out uh, doing it uh, for that long. And so, uh, yeah, they, they, I got really nice raises. I got a parking spot on the lot. <laughs> nice. I, I mean, they gave, nice. they were, Amy said, whatever it takes uh, to keep you. She said, she actually said, uh, she, there were six or seven people that she felt there were essential to the success of the show uh, behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. I was one of those people, she said, so. Yeah, because like you said, it was important that the cast felt comfortable with you. And if they did love you this much, they, they weren't going to lose you for anything. No, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, Scott Patterson once described me as the Gilmore Girls' secret weapon. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Would you basically be there from like the second they got their script? Would you be running lines with them or were you just kind of watching them rehearse and then you would like jump in if they said a wrong the or a wrong word or like that? Uh, I would I would work with them before the scenes if mm-hmm. they if they wanted me to. A lot of times I would go into the trailer when the when uh, Alexis and Lauren were getting hair and makeup, and I, we would run lines there. Mm-hmm. Or if we found a spot on the set before, we would run lines. And I and I knew how each actor how they worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, so I so I I you know I would incorporate whatever they whatever way that they wanted to get to the character how they wanted to, to be done then after when the scene got ready to be shot then i like you i had headphones on i had my script and i have a little light i was somewhere on the set within earshot uh-huh. and then i'm following all of the lines and i had my own kind of shorthand uh where if they made a mistake i would either underline it circle it and then I would even put like a number, like if it was the first take that they said this wrong, or the third take they said it wrong. So where I could then I could go back to the director at the time and say, okay, uh, maybe we did nine takes. I would say, okay, I would say take three and seven were the best ones because there were no mistakes. Okay. Uh, forget about oh one gosh. or four. They missed the whole line there. Yeah. What? Yeah, uh, and they, the directors, most most of them, they couldn't go to the next scene until I gave them the thumbs up mm. uh, that if they got it all, uh, because uh, it was important that uh, everything was, you know, was there. So, oh my yeah. gosh, so, and they uh, they talk so fast in that show. You had to so be really fast. focused. Oh my gosh! Oh, many a guest actor <laughs> <laughs> crashed and burned. <laughs> 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 They would, you know, they would, uh, you know, they would be doing the lines, and I, you know, I'd be working with them ahead of time, you know, and I say, okay, that's great, okay. Now I said, you got to Gilmoreize it. <laughs> Gilmoreize yeah. it. Gilmoreize. I said, I said, you got to talk faster, uh, speed it up, speed it up. And oh so uh, this is one story I tell a lot. But this one uh, young lady, was a really good actress, that she was a teacher, playing the teacher, mm. and uh, sometimes as an actor, you can get in your head and you just. You psych yourself out. And so uh, we were, uh, so I was running lines with her and everything was going fine. And so, and I'm being very encouraging. And finally she paused and she said, I can't do this. I want to go home. And I, I said, what? No, no, no. I, I need to go home. I can't do this. I said, no, 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 no. You can, you, you can. No, I want to go home. I just, oh, no. she was so. So I had to, I rushed over to the director and the AD and I said, oh, she's having a little mental uh, break. Mm-hmm. So, and then that is not what you can do. So what we ended up doing is we wrote the, her lines on cue cards. Mm-hmm. And wow. so we had them in the back so she could look and she could read off the lines. Uh, wow. But uh, it, it happened a few times for actors just, you know. Uh, so, I mean, some actors, the, the stress of it just was too much for them. So, mm-hmm. oh sure, I, I totally understood what, what they were going through. Oh yeah. yeah, and then like you said, they can't move on till you give the thumbs up. So then if they're the ones that's causing everyone to have to delay and do oh take out the take, oh, that yeah. sounds so you stressful. Never knew the best actors, what you were going to get, you know. Uh, I mean, there, I mean, a lot of actors they're really good actors, but they just don't retain lines well. Mm-hmm. And so there was a one actor, uh, uh, he just could not retain his lines at all. So what we had to do when we did his coverage with the cameras just on him, mm-hmm. we would go line by line. I'd feed him the line, then he'd say the line. Go to the next line. I'd tell him the line, and then he would say the line. <laughs> and we just did it that way so until we uh, got the whole scene. Because uh, wow. there was no way he could do it. Uh, he just was, his brain had fried at that yeah. point. Yeah. My Watching gosh, not it, to you put would more never work. know. No, <laughs> you would never know. It's It's no. so seamless and... And not to put more work on what you were already doing, but it sounds like they should have had you in casting, too, because you could have already been like, wait, it just sounds like this. Bless this person's soul. They're just not going to it's going to put more work on me. Don't bring oh, them in. I, I tell you, when I would report to work, you know, you would it, you get the, the what scenes you're going to do that day. So they're called mm. sides. So, you know, you may be doing eight to ten pages a day. 
And so, and I would look to see who was in, and there were certain actors who I, I love them all, but mm -hmm. uh, certain actors, I said, okay, my work is going to be cut out for me today, <laughs> you know, uh, or, oh, or certain actors, I'd be like, oh, okay, easy day. Uh, yeah. people, <laughs> so they, they, they had no problems with their lines. And in fact, uh, if I were to give gold medals for line accuracy, besides Lauren was super smart mm -hmm. and super quick and as was Alexis. I mean, the two of them, thank God, you know, uh, other, other actress, Liza, who played Paris and Sean Gunn were great with the lines. Yannick, great. Scott got really good. He, he yeah. was at the beginning, but he got, he got really good uh, as time went on. And, uh, so most of the regulars, they were, they were fine. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, uh, there were a few others, you know, some of the recurring actors who were great, who weren't the best on lines and they will remain nameless. <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's fair. fair. Very <laughs> fair. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So then whenever you would appear on the show, would they have a different dialogue coach or were you, were you your, your own, own dialogue, dialogue coach? coach? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had a different dialogue coach, except for on the reboot when I did the scene at the cemetery mm -hmm. uh, uh, because directly following that scene was a really dramatic scene between, you know, Lauren and Alexis. And, mm -hmm. and they didn't want to have anyone come in uh, to give them corrections because it was a very emotional scene where they're fighting. And so literally I did the scene and in fact, uh, I had a hat made up. One said "actor," so I wore. <laughs> uh, so I had one, and then I had one that said "coach." So when I was Switch sitting in the chair, when I was doing the coach hat, my coach hat on. Oh, and then, I love that. Uh, then uh, when it was time for me to get ready to go, I put the actor hat on. Then I take it off. But I literally went and I did the scene. And then as I'm exiting the scene with uh, Emily, uh, mm. the grandmother. I literally exit scene, run to my chair, <laughs> get in my chair, put on my headphones, get the script to get ready because the scene is continuing on with Alexis oh. and Lauren, the big dramatic scene in the night. So, so literally it was seamless. Wow. Yeah. You really did a lot. Does it all. You do it all. <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so then when you coached dialogue in different shows, like we had seen, you know, sitcoms like Sister, Sister. Did you find, I don't want to say easier, but did you find it different when it was maybe, I'm not sure if they allowed more improv on that show or if it was as, you know, sticking to the script? Was that just a bit of an easier experience for you to coach when it wasn't so, so dialogue heavy? Absolutely. It was, <laughs> it was definitely, uh, as I used to explain to some of the actors, uh, uh, guest actors on Gilmore Girls, um, I said, you know, Certain shows are going to require you to say the lines exactly as written. Mm -hmm. And there'll be jobs that they will encourage you to improv. Mm -hmm. So I said, you, you know, you accepted the job. So you got to do what is, is asked of you. Mm -hmm. uh, Sister, Sister was real easy. Uh, the the tw twin girls, Tia and Tamara, they were really great with the lines anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, Jack, well, all the actors on that show were really good with lines. So, uh, so it, it was fun. And the hours were um, yeah, I bet. One of my favorite shows uh, as a dialogue coach was, it only did two seasons, was Whitney. Uh, oh. Whitney Cummings. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. was a great show. Now, the challenge on that show was that they did encourage ad living uh, mm. and they would change the joke. So I'm having to try to write down what the uh, what the new joke is, you know. So, or after a scene, we all converge onto the set. Mm -hmm. And then they would, and then the writers were there and they were coming up with different alternative uh, lines. And so then we give the actors the new lines and I'm writing down and the script supervisor, uh, who was a sweetheart, Rebecca, she and I, we collaborate with each other. Uh, so it was a different kind of stress, yeah. but again, it was still easier. And I have to say, they paid me the same money that I was getting paid on Gilmore Girls and I was working a fraction of the hours. There you go. There you go. I was I was hurt and crushed when uh, Whitney uh, uh, after the second season. I said, I know. Oh, no. <laughs> I wanted that to go seven seasons. Yeah, keep it coming. <laughs> oh, because you work three weeks, you're three weeks on, one week off. Three oh, weeks nice. on. Mm. I love sitcoms. That's a great schedule. Yeah, that's yeah. great. We've, we have heard that 
from any other um, guests on that have done, you know, a bit of everything. They've all said the same. It feels the most I've heard like a nine to five job sometimes. And yeah, you have time for yourself, time to work. It's a good balance. Oh yeah. No, I, 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 I love sitcoms. So, I mean, at this particular point, I don't, I, I'm pretty much retired from dialogue coaching unless it were to be a sitcom or I would, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be any more Gilmore Girls. I kind of, sure. think but if there were like, a, I mean, I always thought it would be fun to do like a two hour, like movie, like a, yeah. a Gilmore Girls Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, something like that. And if they did something like that, then that would just probably be a couple of weeks of work. You know, I'm available, Amy and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, call, call me, you know, I'd, uh, I'd come back for them uh, at a mm-hmm. drop of a hat for that, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but to work on another hour long episodic, uh, I don't think, unless yeah. it was just like for a day or something, just to come into uh, yeah. Bell in or something. Right, yeah, but otherwise, no, no. You did that, yeah, you did your time. I, I just celebrated <laughs> my 50th year as a professional actor this last year, so. Oh, nice. Oh, congrats. Yeah, um, speaking of you acting, we both loved Even Stevens growing up and loved you as Principal <laughs> Wexler. So, how did that role come to be? What was the audition process like for that? I tell you, I, I, I've been extremely lucky uh, with certain things. You just never know when opportunity is going to present itself. How I got uh, uh, the, the job on Even Stevens, back in the day when we had, you know, uh, what do you call the beepers? You know, the little oh, the pagers, yeah. Oh, yeah, the yeah, pagers. Pagers. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So I had a little pager, so my little pager went off, uh-huh. and I didn't recognize the, the number. So, uh, uh, and I think I was at the movies or something. So then after the movies, I called, and it happened to be uh, this friend of mine, Tina Treadwell. And Tina uh, said, uh, George, are you available tomorrow? We're doing this uh, table read uh, for this show. And it, was called, it was called Spivey's Kid Brother. That was the oh. name of the uh, original uh, pilot. And uh, I, I need someone to read part of the uh, principal. Are you available? I said, oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, uh, well, uh, can, you can come by and pick it up, you know, and and we're going to be at this hotel at tomorrow at 11 o'clock, because I pick up with it. So I swing by a place, got the script, and I said, okay, great. Went home, you know, uh, I was late, got in bed, and I just kind of thumbed through it, went, oh, okay. And then given another <laughs> thought, got up the next day, uh, then I thought, okay, since it's a table read, uh, I thought that the part had already been cast and that the actor just wasn't there. Because I remember I tried to get seen for this show uh, because I got the breakdown and I didn't get seen for it. So I just, so I said, okay, you know. So I show up and I decided, well, let me just dress like a principal would dress, you know, just to be professional. Yeah. So I get there and Tina's there and she said, okay. And I said, okay. Uh, she said, thanks for doing this, George. And she said, oh, by the way, George, the part has not been cast, so do well. <gasps> no pressure. She told you that right before you auditioned? <laughs> Just before. And I went, before the table read? Excuse me? Oh, the table read, yeah, <laughs> which became an audition. <laughs> and I started looking at the lines. I went, okay, okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> oh and gosh. then there was another guy who had come in, uh, who uh, this other casting director had brought in for the uh, to read the principal part. Mm. And But luckily, Tina... I had uh, seniority said, no, no, I have George. He's going to do it. So, uh, so I said, okay. So then we sat in the room and all the other actors, you know, shy and there was, they had gone through four, five, six, I don't know how many auditions, you know, Mm -hmm. so, and they all kind of knew each other because they had been paired and everything. So I sat there and I read the part, uh, you know, and, Two hours later, I was offered the role of Principal Wexler. Two hours, wow. wow. <laughs> you, had, you entered, you woke up that day thinking right. you were just going to be helping someone out. Just helping someone. <laughs> That's why you just, you never know when opportunity is going to present itself. So be ready. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So It's funny, I was... Go, I was going to ask you when you first started sharing that story, do you find that if you're going for something like that, like how you thought it was just maybe to read with somebody or just help someone out, do you find that there, since there's less pressure, you might 
do something that stands out in a performance rather than if you know it's like a lead role, you kind of psych yourself out and you get in your own head for auditioning? Well, I think sometimes when you don't have a whole lot of time, I mean, I was panicked, sure. uh, you know, uh, but I didn't have a whole lot of time to really be panicked. It's like, okay, I got to do this, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I had looked at the lines and and it wasn't a difficult character for me. I mean, I, I said, okay, I mean, I could relate to the character. Mm -hmm. And so so it wasn't something that was so far-fetched for, for me to, uh, to have to do. So, mm -hmm. you know, you just, you know, you, you, know, you dig into your, your technique, you rely on your technique, your, you know, you, where you studied and your foundation and you, and you use that. And then you just try, you know, not to get into your head and just say the lines. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot of time to be too creative. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and in I fact, the original, the original principal, uh, Wexler, was a little more kind of straight laced. He wasn't as funny. Mm -hmm. uh, and they changed the writing staff after, was it the first season or something? Or they brought in a whole new writing staff. And so then they wanted Principal Wexler to be the silly guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. being, which was... Which was more my real house. Yeah. You know? uh, uh, that, so I was like a big kid, a big silly kid, and I mean, it, it was. I had so much fun. I mean, work is working opposite to Shy and Christy and all these. I mean, it was one of the best work environments. The cast, the crew, uh, we're all still in touch, uh, and so uh, just it was just a wonderful experience. I I was so upset that it ended after three seasons, but at that particular yeah. time. That was the uh, procedure for uh, Disney shows. Three yeah. three seasons and you're done. Uh, so I said, what? You don't close a hit? No. A hit. <laughs> we agree. <laughs> we were winning uh, Emmys and, you know, but Shy had already gotten other things going. So, you uh, know, his trajectory was already uh, on his way. So, and we once in a while we'll get a re reunion together, you know, and, and, uh, try to see each other but I'm you know we Facebook friends with everyone and so yeah. sure. and was it fun doing the musical episode for even Stevens because you have such a musical background <laughs> it's kind of like blending the world <laughs> yeah actually they were very they didn't know my background oh all. really they had no idea that I can't come from musical theater okay. so I I remember uh, Sean McNamara asking me so uh uh can can you sing can you you know, do I said yeah, I have a little experience with that. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and they said, oh, okay. And so I said, mm-hmm. And, so, <laughs> and so, I mean, but and so then you, you first went into the studio, you know, and then you, mm -hmm. you put down the, uh, uh, the you laid down the, 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 the numbers. And uh, uh, Jim Wise, who was Coach Tugnut, he yeah. wrote the music. Oh, really? Uh, oh. Yeah, he did the music to, uh, uh, to that. And so... Uh, and so the day of the shoot, I mean, I had worked with a choreographer and all this other stuff. And, you know, I just put on my Broadway hat. And, mm -hmm. and everyone was like, what? <laughs> Where is this coming from? <laughs> what, what if, all of a sudden, you know, Principal Wexler, I mean, he was like, hey, baby, I was on Broadway a couple of times. So <laughs> I took no prisoners. <laughs> well, I feel like that's perfect since you were the first big song of the whole episode, too. Yeah. 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 And I tell you, after, after, when they finished my number, the crew started applauding and they wouldn't stop. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> Standing uh, so ovation. Was, was, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I was probably the best received person uh, out of all the people for that musical uh, episode. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. But oh. I think just, they were just so surprised. And all the songs in that episode are so catchy still. So I. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> we went to the moon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. It's always the one. Yeah. I feel like several of the shows, like Gilmore Girls, I feel like is more popular now than ever. I feel like now with Disney Plus, even Stevens, there's just a brand new audience discovering so many of the shows that you've been a part of. And I feel like even Sister Sister, once it got added to Netflix, is it fun mm -hmm. for you to yeah. see all these new people witnessing these shows for the first time? It's, it's true. I mean, uh, Gilmore Girls especially, it is more popular now than it's ever been. Yeah. And especially in the fall, it's like mm -hmm. a, it's a perfect it's like a fall show. Yeah, and uh, you know they were uh, there was this, this there's this fan fest that they do every year uh, on the East Coast uh, for Gilmore Girls. I've done about 
four or five of them. Uh, and every year they do it for a weekend. And fans come from all over the world uh, mm. for the weekend uh, and who are obsessed with Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. And it's lovely people, a lot of fun. And, and I mean, and they know the show way better than I do. I mean, yeah. they, they know everything, every episode, every every little thing, you know. I I mean, what, what they like to, with me is that I can give them a lot of the behind the scenes stuff yeah. that they uh, weren't aware of. Or I can say, oh yeah, and that scene that yeah, well that was happening, or so and so on that day, such and such was going on. You know, we had to do this, and so so they like all the little uh, uh, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily know about. You know? Yeah. Well, I remember back from like 2014 to 2016, Grace and I were tour guides at Warner Brothers and the Gilmore Girls fans, they were very specific and like just the biggest fans get so excited to see the gazebo and Stars Hollow and everything. It was so fun. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Fun days at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's we're biased, but it's such a great studio. We love it. (laughs) It was so fun whenever they were doing the Gilmore Girls reboot, seeing it slowly come back to looking just like Stars Hollow. Mm -hmm. That was so fun. And to see all the actors, they just came in for the day. You know, Mm -hmm. I actually I took pictures of everybody. Oh, Uh, so. And in fact, if your fans want to. I'm, I'm so uh, social media. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do have an Instagram. I, I, it's Gab, G-A, that's G-A-B, 90069. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and if they want to see pictures uh, of Gilmore Girls reboot, I apologize. I'm in all, every picture. So I was doing, <laughs> As you I, should be. I was doing selfies with everybody. You know? <laughs> so, but but you get to see a whole bunch of pictures of uh, Gilmore Girls. Uh, uh, and I because I, I know Jared flew in for on his jet mm-hmm. uh, for one day. <laughs> Casual. Uh, yeah, yeah. And 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 of course seeing Milo and Matt and uh, just everybody. It was just, it, it was just, it was so wonderful just because we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all thought we were coming back to do another 13 episodes at the oh. end of season seven. Uh-huh. And so, so it was like, okay, uh, we'll see you then. And then we found out about a month or so later after we had finished that the show was done. Mm. So it was, and so we were kind of heartbroken. So it was nice that everybody we all felt we had unfinished business. So so, uh, everyone came back. I love Mm. that. It was so fun to watch. Yeah, Yeah. it was great. And then before we go, are you working on anything now that you'd like to promote? Uh, Well, nothing right now, except I just, just yesterday, I just did new headshots uh, because my, uh, my, (laughs) my manager made it. It's, it's been about eight years, George. Uh, <laughs> we got an update. So, so I actually, I'm embracing the gray. Oh, nice. Yes. It looks good. You look Love great. it. The gray. So, uh, so, uh, so I took new pictures uh, yesterday and I just sent them out to my uh, agent manager. Uh, and because now things should be picking back up since now the strike is over with. Sure. And mm-hmm. so the studio should be heading back. So, you know, hopefully, I mean, I, you know, I just want to audition here and there. And uh, I think I, I probably will do this for maybe another couple of years and then say, mm-hmm. I'm done. You yeah. Know? yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Actually, I kind of enjoy doing the self-taping from home because mm-hmm. I don't want, I, I, I just don't know if I'm going to want to get in my car and drive to Santa Monica <laughs> on a Friday during rush hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I have that in me. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. is it we'll worth see. it? <laughs> we'll, we'll see, you know. Yeah. So, so yes, nothing uh, specific right now. Uh, just hopefully, I'll start going out very shortly on auditions. Yeah, maybe oh, you'll yeah. see Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you so much again for yeah, doing this. We really appreciate so it. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. I had a great time uh, going down memory lane. Oh my gosh! We yeah. thank you for sharing all of those stories. Mm. We loved, loved listening. Great. Great. Thank okay. you, George. It was nice to meet you. Nice meeting you too. You guys take care and good luck with the podcast. So, David. Yeah. 
you saw the new Mean Girls movie. What what are your thoughts? Tell us everything. Thank you so much for asking. I actually saw it twice opening weekend. <laughs> Wait, and did you post a photo of your popcorn? I did. They I'm had, obsessed with it. I I'm love so, that they did that. So I went to the early screening at AMC. It was the on Wednesdays we were at pink screening because it was yeah. on Wednesday. And yeah. I saw they had a popcorn bucket that was shaped like the burn book. And then you opened it up and that's where you could put your popcorn in. Immediate purchase. I bought a cup as well. And then when I went again on Sunday, they were all sold out. So thank God oh. I did. Oh, my God. But I keep seeing people post all these like negative reviews about this movie. I don't know what people thought that they were getting into. We are going to see a movie version of a musical based off of a movie. I don't know what they wanted. I thought it was a perfect movie. I thought everybody was cast really well. I would see it at 10 more times. I love the songs in the musical. Did they make some changes? Sure. Were they all for the better? Maybe not. But I thought overall it was an incredible movie. And I want to be friends with all of them. And yeah. I'll watch it with you, too. Oh, my God. I love everything you just said. I think we should quote you on that. Put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen it yet, and I need to see it. And did you – I'm saying this because, one, you love Lilo and Stitch, and two, Stitch is on your shirt. Did you see there was an interview with Renee Rapp and the guy <laughs> – You played um, – I was about to say Damien, not Damien. Um, Aaron. Jonathan Bennett's character. Aaron Samuels. Aaron Samuels. Thank you. They talked about Lindsay Lohan in this interview and the interviewer just called her Lilo. Like people say that for like yeah. Lohan and they both paused and they were like, oh my God, we thought you meant and Stitch. Stitch. Like Lilo and Stitch. I was dying. <laughs> this whole press tour, I've loved everything Renee Rapp has done. Oh my God. I've watched so many of the cast interviews from this press tour and- I I have loved it. I love the cast. And yeah, Renee Rapp, she just seems so cool. I just want to be friends with her. Does anybody have a connection to Renee Rapp for friendship purposes? Yes. Sorry. Yeah, just strictly for friendship purposes. And if she oh, ever yes, wants to come on the yes, podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's like also fine too. We'd also be open to it, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot wait to see it. I can't I I agree with you from what people are saying. It's like it's Mean Girls the musical. Just that's what you're that's what it is. So don't go into it expecting something else. Yeah, it's just a fun movie. Anyone who's like yeah. overly criticizing it, I'm like, why? 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 You're a mean girl. You're a mean girl. You're a mean oh, girl. Jenna Fisher and Busy Phillips were perfectly casted for the mom roles. I can see that when I heard that they were gonna play um Katie's mom. And Regina's mom. I was mm. like, okay, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I will give my review when I see it, but I feel like I'm just going to say it was fun. And you know who else was fun to talk to? George Anthony Bell. He had such great stories to share. As David mentioned, I'm a huge Gilmore Girls fan. David loves the show as well. So just mm -hmm. hearing all of that was so interesting. I really did not know that that was a job. I did not know. I I mean, I knew people were there to practice lines with you, but I yeah. thought it was just like an assistant or somebody. Never. I had no idea. It really does go to show like how many people it takes to make just one show that like you would never even think about. Oh my gosh. The fact that there's a yes. dialogue coach and then a dialect coach. We need to read up. We just need to read. We need to just invite us to your sets so we can just observe <laughs> because it was so interesting to hear about about all of that work that he did but he was so so nice and george if you happen to still be listening thank you so much yes. seriously for coming on and sharing all of those amazing stories with us it was also so fun of course to hear about even stevens and mm -hmm. talking about the musical episode how they didn't even know that he could sing right and if you are like he said in the interview if you are a big gilmore girls fan he has so many pictures from behind the scenes with different casts from whenever they were doing a year in the life of gilmore girls his Instagram is G-A-B, like George Anthony Bell, 90069. So make sure to go give him a follow, check out all of those photos. And then if you are feeling generous, you could just jump on over and give us a follow too. We are on Instagram and Twitter at BTTP Podcast, TikTok and Facebook at Back to the Best. Our YouTube is youtube.com slash back to the best. And our website, our one-stop shop is www.bttbpodcast.com. Please go send us some love. And if you're going to leave us a review, we would love five stars if you want to. Yeah, or send us an email. Our email is yes. on our Instagram and our website. Let's chat. 
Oh my God. Chat with us. We hope you guys loved this episode. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Happy New Year. We have some great stuff planned for this year. It's going to be our year. It's going to be the best year. It's going to be back to the best, best, best best year. The best year of back to the best. The best, yeah. Like the best, you know what I mean? Like the best. of the best. The best of the best. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. And if you want to keep hearing more of Back to the Best, tune in next week because that would be the best thing Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. where we will keep taking you back to the best. 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 Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Have the best day. Why are we saying best so much? That was the best. It was the best. This is the best. You're the best. You're the best. Bye. Bye.